Welcome to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. For over 30 years, Paul Stone has been seriously handicapping college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf. Over the past five seasons, spanning almost 600 releases, Paul has hit 55% against the spread in college football, gaining the respect of sports books and bettors throughout the world. He is monitored by highly respected the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City. Paul has also won two major Las Vegas football handicapping contests and finished in the top four in two others. Each week, Paul will provide exclusive handicapping insights on the podcast. To receive Paul's exact picks each week, you can sign up for member-only access at paulstonesports.org. Now, on to the show. Last week, we delved into the ABCs of sports betting. Uh, This week, we're going to put a slight twist on that theme. Hello again, this is Paul Stone, and welcome to episode 124 of the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. And this week's podcast titled, the who and when of sports betting. You know, let's go right into it. You know, as college football handicappers or even handicappers of other sports, we have to determine through whatever processes we employ, not only who to bet on, but also, and almost equally as important, when to place our bet, when to enter the ever-changing, or at least sometimes changing, marketplace. You know, I see sports bettors all the time, both, you know, newbies, novices, and uh, even guys who have been doing this as long as I have, who seem to fixate on who they bet without seeming to give the slightest thought to when they bet them. You know, why is this so important, Paul, uh, you might ask? You know, unless you're in a certain handicapping contest, betting lines are not static, you know, meaning they change, they are fluid. You know, and the longer of a window that you have to make a wager, the earlier you have access to bettable numbers, the longer your window. You know, over the next 10 or so, 15 minutes, I'm going to focus on when to enter the the marketplace, depending on your preference of side or total. You know, certainly uh, more of a 101 course, I'll admit that, than a graduate course. But hopefully, betters of all shapes and sizes will find some value in my recommendations. First of all, a quick plug for Paul Stone Sports as I seek my Not consecutive winning season against the spread as monitored by the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City. Uh, We're off a modest winning week, uh, four and three against the spread in week six. And just just slightly above the winning standard for the season uh, of 52.38, just a little bit under uh, 53%, but still uh, making just a little bit of money uh, and certainly working towards and hoping for a home run one of these weekends. You never know when that's going to come or if it's going to come, but I just, uh, you know, continue to put the work in and uh, do the things that I've done through the years and uh, process oriented, but certainly um, hopeful that the results uh, that I've historically produced will uh, arrive as they have in past years. So as far as pricing, if you're interested, my prorated uh, remainder of the college football season, only 349 through the national championship game in January. 
Uh, 30 days, if that's what you want to look at, uh, for all of my college football selections, only $199. If interested in any of my packages, please visit paulstonesports.org. Again, that's paulstonesports.org. So let's delve into the basics of when to enter the college football betting marketplace. You know, first of all, ideally, and I know all of you don't have this option, but ideally, you have the ability to bet college football as early as Sunday during the college football season. You know, Sunday's the first day that the numbers become available. So hopefully you have the ability to bet sometime on Sunday, but certainly uh, Monday morning at the latest in an ideal world. And I understand everybody doesn't live in that world, but ideally you're betting by Monday morning at the latest and preferably on Sunday. Again, if you don't have access uh, to numbers until midweek or even later in the week, you are lessening your opportunity. You are shortening that window to get the best of the number. You know, I think of the process uh, as a uh, sell at an old-fashioned brick-and-mortar department store. You know, if the sale begins at 11 a.m. on Sunday, but you don't show up until midday Wednesday, the racks are going to be thinner than when the doors opened late Sunday morning. You know, the items that the store has the largest amount of stock or volume, say the USC Notre Dames and the Oregon's and uh, Washington's of the world, uh, comparing it to this week's college football slate, they might still have availability at or very near uh, the opening price, but some of the totals, uh, which in college football uh, can move swiftly in one direction, could be long gone, uh, or at least gone uh, at an attractive price. So I think you get the analogy there. You know, once a line, uh, whether it's a side or a total, in college football, this is just a general rule of thumb that I have. Once a line, side or total, moves more than three points. I'm almost certainly going to pass at that point, at least in the direction of the move. So, uh, for example, meaning that if the total opened at 55 and I like the under, and before I can get to it, the number is now 51 and a half or lower, it is likely a no-go for me. You know, the line maker, first of all, uh, usually possesses a lot of natural intellect uh, and an acumen for uh, his craft. Plus, he's got lots of tools at his disposal. You know, he certainly, no question, he certainly misses from time to time. But he doesn't swing and miss that badly very often with his openers, especially at this point in the season, you know, when most teams have played five or six games and the numbers, uh, averages, and power ratings are starting to uh, settle in, if that makes sense. Whether you're looking at Paul Stone's power ratings or Jeff Sagren or somebody else else's at this point, our power ratings all should look pretty much the same. Not exactly the same, but pretty much the same if indeed we know what we're doing. And, and that's not to say I want to I want to kind of put it, uh, look at it from the other perspective. That's not to say that I won't sometimes fade an opening move if my numbers and instincts uh, suggest that that's the right move. 
So using the same example as I did above, let's say that college football game again opens with a total of 55 and quickly or maybe even over, over a period of days even uh, gets bet down to 51 and a half. Opens at 55, now it's 51 and a half. Paul made the total 56. So now we're looking at the number of 51 and a half, uh, and it certainly, you know, piques my interest. It didn't initially at 55. That's just a one, you know, one point difference between my projected number and the houses. That's almost never going to, you know, cause me to fire uh, in and by itself. But once that number is posted, you know, people start betting uh, and they're pounding the under, and now that totals at 51 and a half. So now, uh, I, in many cases, I'm going to start looking at the over uh, in this example. I'm certainly going to do some further study. You know, I want to look at injuries and so forth, be sure that I didn't miss anything. Additionally, I want to look at the uh, the long-term weather forecast in this specific example when I'm considering, um, you know, to bet the over. You certainly want to have uh, decent weather uh, when you're taking the over position. Certainly those weather forecasts, you know, when you're looking five, six days out can be inaccurate when it gets to game day, but you at least want to look at those. So, you know, personally, I don't fear being on the other side of this type of line move. You know, one, just to be, you know, be blunt about it, my record in betting college football totals through the years is easy to find and pretty much speaks for itself. And two, you know, I'm confident in my work. You know, I'm confident in my process. So I think those guys, those moves are 50-50. So I certainly don't uh, create much pause in going against those moves. So now we're going to look at just a handful of games. Uh, we're going to keep this one. I say this maybe not every week, but most weeks. I'm going to keep it short and sweet this week. But we're going to do that this week. So we're just going to look at a couple of games, actually, on this week's college football card. I kind of want to talk about when you might enter the marketplace, you know, depending on which team you're looking to support. So we're going to look at this week's college football card, a couple of games, the opening number in those two games, and how I might approach my timing of betting those games, again, depending on my preferred side. First of all, you know, I'm using these games, you know, based on the, the opening number. Uh, my preference and my feel for which direction the number might potentially move. Do not try to read anything into this exercise. It is for illustration purposes only. Uh, I'm not doesn't mean I like this team or don't like this team. I'm just using these games as illustrations to kind of give you some, uh, you know, something to think about when you look at an opening number. And, uh, you know, kind of deciding which team you really like and should I bet now, should I wait, what process should I undergo in the win component, the W-H-E-N component of the exercise. So since Circa, uh, widely regarded uh, by many bettors anyway in the market uh, as being the market-making book for college football, I'm going to reference their openers on Sunday. The ones that they uh, posted there at 11 a.m. this past Sunday, October 8th, as I uh, record, by the way, it is 1.45 p.m. Central on Thursday, October 12th. First of all, let's do a uh, 
complimentary selection in college football and uh, just going to be real brief with this and just basically give you the selection. But there's a really interesting, obviously, Oregon and Washington, uh, that game at Husky Stadium tops the list for Pac-12 games on Saturday. That game's going to tee off at uh, 2.30 p.m. Central, I believe, on Saturday. And then Saturday night, a USC Pac-12 member traveling to South Bend to play Notre Dame. Uh, that's going to be a huge one. This game, however, is really an interesting game. It's a Pac-12 matchup, a conference game, uh, having uh, UCLA, the Bruins, travel to Corvallis and Research Stadium to face the Oregon State Beavers. I'm going to look at the total uh, of 54. And without getting into just great detail, UCLA is building this year, surprisingly, I might add, one of the best defenses in all of college football. They hadn't played a really tough, tough schedule to date, but they rank, I think, in the top 10. I don't have all my notes right in front of me, but they're top 10 in both scoring defense and total defense to this point. Really did a great job uh, a couple of weeks ago shutting down a previously uh, potent Washington State offense. So, uh, and really playing great defense. Dante Moore, their true freshman quarterback, he's going to really be a good one. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I look at this game and it just, to me, it just screams as being a game that's going to be low scoring. Oregon State, I think uh, they are going to, uh, even though UCLA is very good against the run, I, I think they're going to rely heavily on that run game. They're primarily a run first team with uh, tailback Damian Martinez. So I, I think they're going to be pretty run heavy. I, I think this game's going to, uh, be a defense, more of a defensive game. I think it's going to be somewhere in the mid-40s, the final score total between the two uh, schools. So, again, uh, I'm looking for a lower scoring game here and uh, suggest or recommend and personally have bet UCLA and Oregon State to go under the current total of 54. So, first, let's examine one of the uh, – this weekend's marquee matchups that I just touched on, and that being Saturday night's showdown in South Bend featuring Southern Cal and Notre Dame. And again, this is just an exercise and an example of when one might enter the marketplace. On Sunday morning, Circa opened Notre Dame as a two-point favorite. So in this game, I actually made my number Notre Dame minus four. You know, I don't think this number, first of all, you, you want to look at it when this opener comes out or any line at any point in the process, the timeline for that matter. When you're looking at a, a line, you want to anticipate which way it might move from that point until kickoff. So when this line opened at minus two, I certainly don't think this game's going down to pick in any scenario outside of an injury to a Notre Dame player, and really probably outside of an injury to, to Sam Hartman. It's not going down to pick. So if it goes down to, um, let's say, one, you know, there's not a, you know, you've got a little bit of a exposure there if you if you take Notre Dame at minus two. Um, just looking over some of my notes here. But personally, you know, looking at this at this game with the opener of two, my feeling is the line is almost certainly more likely to go up. 
you know, I think while the public in this particular game might back the, the Trojans uh, with their undefeated record, their high-flying offense uh, piloted by Heisman Trophy uh, winning quarterback Caleb Williams, while I think the public might back Southern Cal, and I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of looking at this from the perspective of when it came out on Sunday, while the public might back Southern Cal, my gut feeling was that the Sharks, the so-called pros, would be more inclined to back the hurting two-loss fighting Irish. So in summation, you know, in my opinion, if you liked Notre Dame and you were there at Circa or at any other book for that matter uh, throughout our great nation uh, posting Sunday morning numbers, if you like Notre Dame and you saw that minus two, you should bet that immediately if you like Notre Dame. You know, I think the line, you know, is going to go up from there, um, which it has. Uh, you know, I think even looking back, and uh, this is, you know, this is what I was thinking then, Scout's Honor, that that minus two might very well be the best number ever available on the Irish in the timeline and the, the lifespan of that betting number. Again, I didn't see it. You know, if it goes to Notre Dame minus one, I would be surprised, but I absolutely couldn't see it going any lower than Notre Dame minus one. Let's look at it, you know, kind of from the other perspective. If you favor USC and looking to back the Trojans, you know, I think at that point coming out minus two, kind of a dead number. You don't want to take two. Not a whole lot of college football games land on the number two. So you kind of want to, you want to hold your water. You want to hold out for three. I think that's probably pretty uh, obvious to most people. So you want to you want to hold out and wait for that three, uh, if you like um, like Southern Cal. You know, currently uh, most books, as I record again on Thursday afternoon, um, a little bit before two p.m. Central, most books right now have uh, Notre Dame listed as a three-point favorite. Uh, the Westgate in Las Vegas is one book as of a few minutes ago that was uh, listing the Irish as only a two and a half point favorite. So at this point, you know, from my perspective, with it almost being universally Notre Dame minus three, from my perspective, it is really a difficult call. This is a pretty mature market on this game. It's Thursday. There's still going to be a lot of money coming late and a lot of big money coming late. But it's a pretty difficult call which way the market might move in this game. You know, if I like the favorite, if you're entering the marketplace as of today or later, uh, if I like the favorite, if I like Notre Dame, I would try to find some of that two and a half because you're not going to get any better than that, I don't think. And even if you have to pay higher juice, maybe up to about minus 115, I wouldn't go any higher than that. But if I like Notre Dame, as of today, hadn't bet the game, I'd probably try to find minus two and a half up to minus 115 juice. If I like the dog, you know, I would probably go ahead and uh, find – uh, a book, one of many books that lists uh, Southern Cal plus three at standard 110 juice. You know, I, I just, uh, I'm just not sure that this line gets to three and a half. But, you know, as I said, this game is certainly uh, going to draw a lot of, you know, action, betting action in the final 48 hours leading up to kickoff. So there's a pretty good chance, uh, at least some chance that it's going to move off of three if only for a brief moment, uh, but again, difficult just to know which way it might move because there's been a lot of bets made to this point, a lot of money um, 
bet to this point, and three just kind of feels right at this point. I'm going to touch on one more game, and then we're going to call it a uh, week for the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. But uh, we're going to look at a Pac-12 matchup tomorrow night, Friday the 13th in Boulder, Colorado. you got the Stanford Cardinal taking on Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes. Circa opened Colorado as a nine-point favorite in this matchup set to be televised tomorrow night on ESPN. Folks, if you haven't noticed, the public is totally infatuated with Coach Prime and the Buffaloes. Not just the general public, but the betting public as well. You know, at an opener of nine against struggling Stanford, I think one could predict with a fairly high degree of certainty that the weekly avalanche of money that we've seen bet on the Buffaloes was going to push that number to 10 and probably higher. You know, it and if in some odd occurrence, early money actually showed on Stanford, I certainly couldn't envision it dropping all the way to seven. So even if it goes down to seven and a half, you know, again, eight's kind of a dead, what we call a dead number. So laying nine with Colorado, if you like the Buffaloes and laying seven and a half, probably not going to result in a different betting outcome as far as how that ticket is ultimately graded. So again, if you if you were at Circa or some other place and you saw Colorado minus nine or minus nine and a half on Sunday and you like the Buffaloes, man, you I hope you bet it. Because I, I just I don't know that many people would anticipate I actually made the number a little bit higher, the other side of ten. So I don't think too many people would have guessed hey, that number's going down to seven. People are going to pour on Stanford. So, uh, you know, it did indeed. The money did arrive on uh, on Colorado. And uh, the line's now 11, 11 and a half uh, at most stores. At least it was about 30 minutes ago. So, contrarily, you know, some people are going to beat Stanford. There's a lot of contrarians out there. There's a lot of people who, uh, you know, bet numbers, not teams, so to speak. So, if you like Stanford... Uh, certainly at nine, you would not want to take nine points. I think that's the, you know, history is going to show that's the worst that an underdog better could have got in this game uh, as far as betting the side. You would have wanted to, again, display patience, uh, wait for that money, almost that inevitable money to pour in on uh, Coach Prime and the Buffaloes and uh, just kind of wait and see. So here we are again on Thursday. So we're going to approach it from today going forward, Colorado 11 or 11 and a half. If I like Colorado at this point and I have not yet bet the Buffaloes, I am passing. You know, it opened at nine. I missed the 10 and I'm clearly late to the party. And if you haven't heard, I hate to take the worst of it. I hate to take the worst of the number. That's no way to live. That's no way to behave if you want to be a long-term winning sports better. If you like Stanford, however, I'd probably shop around and I'd probably take the Cardinal at plus 11 and a half. And the reason, I don't see it getting to 13. I don't think Colorado is going to be favored at any point this week before kickoff Friday night, a little over 24 hours from now. I don't think they're ever going to be favored by 13 points. And 12, even if it got to 12, that's pretty much a dead number as well. You know, so I would take the 11 and a half if I like Stanford. I don't think it's going to move up 
any more than a point. 12's a dead number. It's not going to 13 in my point, so I'd take Stanford uh, if I was just now entering uh, the marketplace on this game. Obviously, folks, this was a pretty brief uh, exercise, but hopefully you were able to glean something from it. Um, you know, and kind of the lesson is, and the moral of the story, don't just bet when you get a few, you know, a few moments, you know, at some point during the, some random point during the week, but try to anticipate the likely line move and attempt to enter the market with timing that you feel is favorable to your desired position. So that was kind of the moral of the story, and that's what I hope something was uh, gleaned again from today's episode to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Got a few other things to do, so I'm going to wrap it up um, for episode 124. We've done a lot of these to this point. Hope to do a lot more. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you uh, giving me a small uh, portion of your week. Good luck this week. Uh, Be safe. Have a great weekend of college football. Until next time, signing out, I'm Paul Stone. Thank you for listening to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And visit paulstonesports.org to sign up for member-only access to Paul's college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf picks and predictions.